0: Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, my name's Nick. Uh, If we haven't met, it's fantastic to be speaking to you on this Palm Sunday morning. And in a moment we're going to be tracking Matthew... Uh, chapter 21. So if you have a Bible with you, you might want to, as I'm doing this introduction, you might want to get that out. If you're watching online, you might want to turn it on on your device, and you might want to have some way of making notes, because I'm going to be teaching through this passage quite closely this morning. It might be hard to remember it all, so in faith, you might want to get out a notebook that the Lord is going to speak to us this morning. And Matthew 21, we're going to look at is is about Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem, Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. But just before we read the passage, I want you to think of some of the arrivals you have made yourself, because we know, don't we, that first impressions count a lot, a lot. And there are times in life when we spend a lot of time preparing for our own arrival, maybe a special uh, event, a sporting event, a music event we're going out for, a date night or something. If there's someone we want to impress, we spend more time thinking about our arrival. Am I right? Am I right? I know a lot of you, even this morning, just as an everyday thing, right? A lot of time in front of the mirror, there's some mm's and amens from Tevo on the front here, thank you. Uh, two arrival moments that stand out in my own life are, one, when I first met um, Becky's parents, my wife's parents, when we were going out. That was quite an important arrival moment. I messed that one up, but there's no time to tell you the story. But it involved rejecting my mother-in-law's food. I know. <laughs> Never a good move. But the second arrival that I got wrong was my first job interview. Right, another arrival moment. Uh, just before I even share this, has anyone ever got their, their, their job interview arrival wrong in some way? Just you've just made that mistake. Just me? Okay, just me. So thank you, thank you, sir. So I, I went for my first job ever in my life at Starbucks to be a barista, and um, I decided after a lot of thought and preparation and prayer that I should go fully suited. Polished shoes, tie, crisp shirt, everything. People are already laughing at me. I thought it was the right move. I turned up, and I turned up looking like I was for a finance job in the city. And the guy just looked at me, and I knew that was it, game over. I totally overdressed for this scenario. So I didn't get the job, but I did get a job next door selling phones for Vodafone. They had a little badge I had to wear, and it fit perfectly on my tie. It said, I'm new. how are you? And everyone I met, that was the message on my tie. So my suit was perfect for that job. But, I mean, come on. Clangers of an arrival. I know some of you have overdressed for things before. Who's overdressed, underdressed, made a mistake on their arrival? There's got to be some of us. Come on. Come on. High up. Yeah, a lot of us. It's an easy mistake to make. Online, you can start typing your clangers of an arrival. Arrivals matter. They make a big impression on the people we arrive to and the story we're looking at this morning is the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, a week before he ends up crucified and then rises from the tomb in resurrection power. So this story in Matthew 21 is so crucial for us because it reveals in Jesus' arrival so much of who he is, so much of who the king is and what the king is about. And therefore, who we are to be as followers of Jesus, as children of the King. And that's what I've entitled this talk, Children of the King. Because if you're anything like me as a follower of Jesus, we long for more of the kingdom. It's part of the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come, your will be done. We long to have more kingdom of heaven, power and love flowing through us. But it's hard to do that. To have the kingdom if we don't know the king really well. If we don't stay close to the king. So, even the power, when we call on the name of Jesus, it's not a, like a magical incantation. We just say the name of Jesus and expect all the kingdom to come. Nor is it a business transaction we can buy. No, it comes from being part of the royal family. From being in relationship with the king, From being a child of the king. So that's what concerns me this morning. That's why I feel the Lord wants to speak to us. Come with me to Matthew 21 as it reveals the arrival of Jesus. Who is the King and how are we to be as children of this King? Matthew 21. is fairly long, uh, but an amazing passage. So track with me now. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered then the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting at the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, replied Jesus. Haven't you read From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. Let's pray right now for the Spirit to speak through this passage. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you do, for who you are, that you always glorify Jesus, that you always glorify the Father. And we pray, Holy Spirit, come and release our praise, our worship of Jesus this morning through this passage. Speak to us, encourage us, challenge us and equip us. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, let me give you some context of this passage. I'm going to teach through some of the key elements in this passage before we land on some of the applications of what it means to be a child of the King. You might want to take some notes. First of all, where is Jesus arriving to? Where is he travelling to? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem has moved from being a mere kind of military outpost to a world-class city at this time. It's got a newly, beautifully renovated temple. It's got a huge fortress that overshadows that temple. And Jerusalem already has a king. A king, it's Rome, the Romans rule and Caesar Augustus of Rome is, he might be using Jewish kings as puppet kings, but essentially he is the king. He rules and reigns over this beautiful city. But Jerusalem, we know From Psalms, from the book of the soundtrack of faith, Psalm 48, is supposed to be the city of God. Any of you who've been in the church a long time will know the song from Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, the city of our God, the holy place, the joy of the whole earth. Anyone know that song? Remember that song? Yeah, thank you, sir, in the back there, me and you. Jerusalem is supposed to be the city of God. It's supposed to be a city that has no need for a fortress because God himself is the fortress. God himself is the safety. God himself is the strong tower. God himself is the source, the beginning and the end that holds it all. And the city of Jerusalem is supposed to not be the end place of God's presence, but the end and the start where God's presence, his joy, his blessing goes out to the whole earth. So Jerusalem is the place Jesus is arriving to, and it's beautiful and gleaming, and yet it's broken. Underneath, and thank you for that word earlier, underneath it's broken, it's not fulfilling its purpose, it's under a different king, and Jesus rides in in his arrival as a leader. He's got crowds behind him. He's got crowds in front of him. He's a leader, but the city already has leaders. Jesus rides to bring an alternative leadership, an alternative kingdom. So if any of you, even before we carry on this morning, feel like you're riding into your workplace, you're riding into your family scenarios, you're riding into our world and its news, feeling like, how do I deal with this? How do I bring alternative leadership? How do I bring what God is doing through my life into this scenario? Know that you ride with Jesus. That you're not arriving on your own. You haven't just done it on your own in front of the mirror and then stepped out. No, when you step out of your door tomorrow, you're stepping out with King Jesus. You're stepping out with him. He's gone before you and he's with you. You're a child of the king. Secondly, where is he riding from? Well, he's riding from the Mount of Olives, this mountain that overlooks the city. And Matthew, in his version we've read, is specific to mention where he's riding from. Why? Why? Well, because Jesus is riding on a donkey, verse two, and we'll later see how it's a fulfilment of prophecy. But as he rides on a donkey from the Mount of Olives, a lot of the people in the crowd will have recognized something, plus all the leaders of the city will have recognized something. They will have recognized King David because King David in 2 Samuel 16 and 19 to 20, when he's exiled as the king out of Jerusalem, he is met with a gift of donkeys on the same Mount of Olives overlooking the city and the temple And then he later on is reinstated as the king of that city. So they will have seen Jesus on the Mount of Olives, riding on a donkey, and they have recognised, oh, here's someone who's David's son. Here's someone who's a son of David. Here's someone who's a king. Also, David's son, King Solomon, those of you who study this stuff well, will know that on his coronation day, He rode in as well, using his father's donkey. So riding a donkey is not, I mean, when when we read these kind of passages, I remember as a kid thinking, um, donkey donkey rides on the beach in Scarborough. (laughs) I don't know why Scarborough, I mean, why not? Donkey rides on the beach, that's what you think. Think, oh, just like a soft little ride on sand, like Jesus is kind of making this up as he goes along. That's the only thing available. No, 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 he's planned his arrival. He knows his symbols. He knows his messages. He's the greatest genius leader the world's ever seen. He, he is so clever. He knows what he's doing. He even tells them, if people ask why I need it, say, the Lord needs it. A big clue there. The Lord needs it. So riding on a donkey symbolises to people, this guy, th- this guy on the donkey coming from the Mount of Olives, he must be a king. He must be the king. That's what people are thinking, and in some way, as Jesus retraces King David's route back to the city to be the king, as he retraces King Solomon's route back to the city, this is in some way Jesus' coronation day. This is his coronation day, a whole week ahead of the cross and the resurrection. This is his coronation day. Thirdly, what's the crowd's response in our story now? So what's the crowd's response? Well, first of all, they lay their cloaks on the road as a sign of submission to the king, we think, in verses 8 and 9, and also some branches, which is where we get the, the name palm, Sunday from, Mark's version mentions they're very leafy branches um, out of interest. John's version mentions that they're waved in celebration. Matthew, they're they're laid down as part of this kind of pathway for the king. And in verse 9, the crowd shout out, Hosanna to the son of David, which shows us they do recognise everything. I've just said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Hosanna means kind of praises, praise to him, but more accurately from the Old Testament, it means save us now. Save us now. Have you ever prayed that emergency button prayer? I'm sure you have. I have. Save us now. Do it now. God, fix it now. I need you now, not tomorrow. Now, Jesus, save us now. That's their heart's cry save us now they so believe that the guy on the donkey is gonna save them do we have that same faith today in Jesus maybe you're here for the first time and you're like how can I be saved the message already in this passage is Jesus can save you now not tomorrow not tonight not when you get home if your heart cries out Hosanna save me now he can do it He can do it. He can do it in you. No one is excluded from this royal family. No one. You can get as close as you want to this king of all kings. Save me now and he will. And he will. And he will. And he will. So Hosanna to the son of David further confirms for us that the crowd reveres Jesus as a a Messiah, what the Old Testament calls a Messiah. And we've teached on this before, so very briefly, a Messiah, one in the line of David, does a couple of decisive things. First of all, a Messiah will defeat evil. Like David has defeated Goliath, a real physical example of looming over power, of power that makes you keeps you down here and oppressed. David defeats Goliath, not in his own strength, but in the power of God. So the coming Messiah, the one in the line of David, will defeat evil, not though as a one-off, but forever. Forever. This king has got the ability, the power of the Lord, to defeat evil forever and ever and ever over our lives, over our hearts, over our minds. Evil has not the final say. Because Jesus is coming to defeat it in the line of David as a Messiah. Secondly, a Messiah will restore God's presence and God's place in his people, truly. And that's what David was about, King Solomon restoring the temple. And that's what this Messiah, Jesus, is going to do, restore God's presence, which we are now in the line of. How crazy is that? That we in Birmingham are in the, the line of that 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 plan has been outworked and that we now, the people of God, carry the presence of God by the Holy Spirit, not limited to buildings. It's amazing that this Messiah is coming. So this is what Jesus' prepared arrival symbolises and communicates to the people, that here is a king who comes, not just a one-off king, not just a king that will last a few years, but the ultimate king, the king of all kings, the promised Messiah who has authority, who has victory to restore God's people, God's presence and God's place. Now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Now, going back to our own arrivals, right, for, for key events, for key moments, for key people we want to meet and impress. And some of the clangs we've all made, I'm sure, in getting it wrong. I don't know, for example, if you've ever got ready for an event. And maybe you've come downstairs and there's a partner there, or maybe you've just come out of the room into another room and there's a friend there. Or worse still, you've left the actual house and then you meet your friend. And they say, really? Are you 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 sure about that outfit choice? Have you ever ever had that? Anyone? Come on. Has anyone done that to someone else? Yes, yes, yes. Really? Now... (laughs) Now, I'm sure we've, we, we've said it's kind of like a coronation day for Jesus, this arrival. And I'm sure in reality, although some of the crowd were shouting out Hosanna to some David, I'm sure some of the crowd were like, really? really? Are you sure about that outfit? Are you sure about this arrival manner? Like, where's the crown? Where's the purple carpet? Where's the coronation show? Where's Gary Barlow? Right, guys? Where's Cliff Richard, for those of you of a certain age? Where's Cliff and his calendar? (laughs) That wasn't in the 9.30, that bit. It wasn't even in my notes. just came. And we're having our own coronation today soon here in the UK, aren't we? 7th to the 9th of May of King Charles, and I looked on the coronation website, which you can, and it lists all that's going to happen for the coronation of King Charles uh, on the 7th and 9th of May weekend, and if anyone was in the crowd, if we merged these two stories together, and they were aware of this website, and they'd read what a coronation would involve, they might have seen Jesus' arrival, and they might have said things like this, where's the special coronation concert, where's the BBC live broadcast, where's global music icons, like Luke Hellebrenth, where's the world-class orchestra? Where's the world's biggest entertainers? Where's the staging and effects on the castle east lawn? Where's the selection of spoken word sequences delivered by stars of stage and screen? And most importantly, because if it only happens in one place, how's the nation gonna know that this is the king? Where are the lighting up of landmarks across the nation using lasers, projections, and swarms of drones? This arrival of Jesus riding on a donkey into Jerusalem is the visual climax of everything he's been about. You've got to grasp that. Like every story you've ever heard of what he's done, every healing, every walking on water, every beautiful oration like the the Beatitudes, everything he's ever done is visually climaxed in this arrival on a donkey into Jerusalem. But he's in normal clothes on a working animal with leaves and coats for a red carpet. This is Jesus. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he beautiful? The decisions he made for his arrival. There's no scepter, there's no throne, there's no crown, there's no visual display of might or glory. He arrives small but more powerful than anyone in the whole earth this is Jesus, this is who he is, this is who he is, how crazy that this guy, Jesus will come into your heart, that he says to you, can I walk with you today, can I speak with you today, can I show you how to live today, can I give you power to live today, can I show you how to love today, this is Jesus, who being a very nature God, eternal Son of God, didn't consider equality with Almighty God something to hold tight and stay safe and use for his own advantage, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant on a donkey, being made in human likeness like the people sitting around you right now and being found in appearance like you and I, he humbled himself on his coronation day and he became obedient to death even death on a cross. What kind of king is this? What kind of God of love is this? And he's here for us today. He's here for you today. This isn't a history story. This is today's news. This is the biggest news to pay attention to this week, this year, in our whole lives. He arrives small and yet so powerful. And of course, he's written this donkey before, this small arrival before in his mother's womb. Yeah. Mary, Christmas, yes. right, a donkey, another beautiful picture of humility, small but so powerful. And this is the way God's royal family seems to work. This seems to be the way of the king and a clue as to how we are to be as children of the king. First, um, point on the screen Um, children of the king are powerful in weakness you and I if we imitate the king if we follow the king we will be powerful in what the world calls weakness or smallness or humility now remember for a lot of the crowd the promised messiah the coming king he's coming to fight he's coming to do a military victory to get rid of the Roman rulers That's what a lot of the crowd are thinking. They're welcoming him to win their war. So even though welcoming him for the most part, some of the crowd will have been thinking, what kind of general comes to war on a donkey? One that is choosing to die. One that is choosing to lay down their life for a greater victory. One that knows that true power comes through weakness in the world's eyes. You see, in a battle, you only get defeated if you've tried desperately to win, don't you? you? You fought and you've lost. It's always an accident. It's never what you wanted. No one would opt for it, but the king of all kings, he would choose it. This is the crazy wisdom of God. Why would he choose it? 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, The weakness of God is stronger than any human strength. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 28 says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are the king on the donkey is the king who will die on the cross, and it's a genius royal strategy. A God-king who so loves the world, you and I, that he will overcome evil with good. Could I get some water, please? That would be fantastic. First person that wins a prize. Thank you, Ron. Yeah, very kind. Verse four to five tells us that he arrives small in apparent weakness so as to fulfil Zechariah 9.9. Stay with me, Zechariah 9.9 says this. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. How can he be lowly and riding on a donkey and yet victorious? Because humility and weakness in the world's eyes links to true kingdom power in the kingdom of God. Thank you. Jesus is the king who rides a donkey to die. And a week later, at the end of this week, when we celebrate Easter, there is a power that is released on Resurrection Sunday that goes all around the world. And it links to this choice to be the humble king, the lowly king. So, as children of the king, if we want the power of the kingdom to flow through us, we need to Philippians 2.5, have the same mindset as Christ. This week you've got a whole week's worth of opportunities. How can I have the same mindset of Christ? Where has my mind gone so far from the mindset of the king? And yeah, I'm expecting to, to see the kingdom work through me. Well, where, how close is my mind to his? How close are my steps to his? So if you've ever felt small, now weakness can come in many ways. Sometimes weakness is in our character, in our abilities. We feel unable to do what God has called us to do. Maybe you're feeling that today. I know I have many days when I feel like that. Weakness, um, smallness can come from opposition, from struggle, from pain. Thirdly, weakness or smallness can come from choice, from choosing to take the humble road, to be the first to apologise, to take the, the donkey king road of humility. Maybe you're feeling small or weak in one of those three areas today, but let me tell you this, the story today says that you are in a royal line of power, of true kingdom power that goes Jesus and David and Mary on the donkey. There is power in that place of weakness if you hold on and trust in him. You're a child of the king. Secondly, children of the king have purity in worship. Purity in worship. The crowds welcomed Jesus as king, but as we've seen, they had their own agenda. They had their own understanding of what he would deliver for them, of what he would win for them something to do with this military victory over Rome. That's what a lot of the crowd would have thought would have happened. Is there something you've been focusing on for the last few days, the last few weeks, even a year or more, it's, it's bugged your mind, it's got hold of you, that you want Jesus to come and win for you? A solution to your war or your battle. And now, we sing about this, and it's, it's not bad in and of itself. Jesus wants to bless us. He wants to bring breakthrough and delivery. Perhaps it's in the area of money. Perhaps it's in the area of relationship. Perhaps it's in the area of a new job, none of which are bad in and of themselves. And we want Jesus to bring them, but these things can become, and this is a tough point, but they can, the truth is, become an idol, right? Right? They can become something that we think he will deliver for us. And in some ways, we get blinded looking for a military general, like some of the crowd are, that we miss the king of all kings coming on the horse to die on the cross, which is why Jesus is so strong with Peter in Mark 8. He says, get behind me, Satan, when Jesus suggests this isn't the road to go. This isn't the road to go, because it's so important we get this right. He's not coming to win your war. He's ultimately coming to win our hearts, to save our souls. Something bigger and better than what we think we want. He's more than what we think we need or what we think we want. This is Jesus who's coming. And so is there anything we need to throw off that hinders us? Any idols that we think we want him to deliver for us so that we can be pure in worship? Because children of the King are pure in worship. And as I end, we see this beautifully in the final bit of our story. And I deliberately carried on in reading this Palm Sunday passage we see that Jesus enters the temple courts. He turns over the tables, which only the owner of the house could do, again, pointing to his divinity and authority. And then he heals the blind and the lame. And the religious leaders are absolutely mad. They're hopping mad. And to make things, I mean, they're not actually hopping, (laughs) but they're mad. And to make things worse, they hear children in the worship space making noises Interrupting from just outside, maybe. And the children are singing, Hosanna. To the son of David, the children recognise everything we've been talking about. Here comes the king of all kings on a coronation day of a completely different kind. Choosing to be weak, choosing to be small, but with tremendous world-changing power. Here he comes! And the children, they can't stop dancing and singing and celebrating. Why? Because their heads aren't full of stuff. Their heads aren't full of agendas or what they want Jesus to do for them. Their hearts are therefore free to dance and respond and worship. The children are pure in worship. And I believe the climax of the message of Palm Sunday is we are to be like these children. The Lord blesses in Scripture with this real physical example of children of the King. And he says, be like them. They're the true worship leaders. They're the true religious leaders. Not the ones who think they are in the temple. No, the children. They're the ones who know me. They're the ones who sing about me. They're the ones who are pure in worship. Oh God, make us like the children. Make us pure like them. How can I worship more like them? No agenda, just welcome and acceptance of the King of all kings. I was at Holy Trinity Brompton last week, the church that um, we were part of, that came out of, that was part of the Alpha Course, some of you will know it. And they were singing this song and it just hit me. I was thinking about this passage. And this song has these lines, no questions, no reservations, here we are, King of love, come and have our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? No questions, no reservations, here we are, King of love, come and have our hearts. And that is to be our response today, church. That we would be a church who have power in our weakness, that never arrive like, we've got this sorted and we're ready to do this. But we come humble, we come where we feel weak because in our weakness is the Lord's strength for your calling and we come pure in worship. We pray that we will be pure in worship of the King. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gasstreet.org or follow us on Instagram at GastreetChurch.